What's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Off Market Operator. Colbert Johnson, I am your host. Today is another one of our rare guest features, you guys. We make sure we bring on incredible guests. My guest today, we recorded this live on my boat here in San Diego. We went over everything from his backstory to his entrepreneurial journey to how he got into real estate, the kind of real estate he buys, why he buys it, and how that has an impact on his life and his students' life. So I also dropped the end of this video, guys, how you can get in contact with him. Make sure you do, he is the real deal. People don't fail at real estate because they suck. They fail because there's too many ways to succeed. That's why I suggest you focus on the most important skill in all of real estate, which is finding deals. I'm Colbert Johnson, and in this podcast, I share the exact steps I've used to source 400 deals by age 24. This will allow you to do three things, control your deal flow, make unlimited income, and build your empire as an off-market operator. Welcome in to... Uh off-market operator show i very rarely do live shows only with people i like and that i've vetted i know we have a lot of mutuals so i know you're legit a lot of guys that sell courses online twitter instagram everywhere there's there's not a ton behind that but i know i've verified through several people that you do uh what you talk about is legit so we're sitting here in san diego on my boat on a beautiful day after a couple months of shit weather and uh we're gonna get into it man so thank you for coming on the show thank you thanks for having me so i want to take it all back man um all the way back to kind of what the what I like to frame shows is going back to childhood, middle school, high school. Was there a moment when you were in middle school, high school, however young that you were, where you said, where society is directing my life through school, through sitting in a classroom nine to five every single day, that's not for me. Do you have a vivid, most people I find they do have a memory, middle school, high school, where they go, this is just not for me. Do you have a core memory like that? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a necessarily a core memory of me recognizing that young that I didn't want to be a part of the nine to five because I don't, to, to be quite frank with you, I don't think I even understood what a nine to five was. I just knew that I had this entrepreneurial thing. Everybody around me said it and I knew that I had it. I, you know, as early as burning CDs and burning DVDs that I was like torrenting when I was like in elementary school yep. to, you know, at school, the pizza that they were selling was two fifty a slice. I would have my mom take her lunch break, bring five, six Little Caesars pizzas we sell for a dollar a slice. And I'd come up and come back home with like $30, $50. Um, in middle school, I was already doing eBay, uh, essentially what was like drop shipping back then. Um, but I was you know, kind of doing it from my house. I was ordering um, Chinese wholesale uh, life-proof iPhone like cases. Alibaba. For like, yeah, for yeah, Alibaba. Yeah. I had this, these packs coming in and I'd, you know, box it up, sell it buy it for 10, sell it for 80, and was making you know tens of thousands of dollars. And this is like in middle school. Um, it, over time, I had a lot of failed ventures, but I was always thinking and, and knowing deep down that I was, I, I was meant for this entrepreneur life. Um, and, and you know I was also spending a lot of time online look and researching and figuring out what other people were doing. I just loved money. The concept of making money, uh, the, what it can do for you. I didn't grow up well. At a young age. Very young. And was that sparked by your family not having money? Was it sparked by you just saying, hey, there's some cars and stuff that I want to have? Or was it sparked by just, you just love the game of selling stuff? Never. I, I look back, I think about this a lot. You know, I did, my, my mom worked at Costco for um, 25, 30 years. My dad worked in the prison system. And so we were just a typical like middle-class family. I grew up in Visalia, California. There's literally not too much going on except for cows, farms, and dairies. And I just felt, I felt different. Um, in a good way. I, 
I wasn't driven by, oh, we don't have this. I, I really want this. Like, I, I grew up thinking that, you know, once a year eating at Olive Garden was fire. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So this this was like, yeah, the breadsticks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, I remember seeing a, one, one, uh, one very core memory is seeing $100 on the bill and my mom kind of like covering it up and being like, no, like, and like kind of looking stressed out at my dad. So, I mean, I do remember little bits and pieces like that. But the bottom line is I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in it for the game. Right, like I was in it for the game back then, and maybe I didn't recognize it. But now, as I look, as I'm in the position I'm in now, you know, I I heard this quote from Alex Formosa. He said, "I've been to the top of the mountain, and there's nothing there." And it's true. Like I've I've gone from zero to making tens of millions of dollars, and these things that I thought maybe maybe that I wanted, like the cars or the houses or the this and the that. It's not what it's about. It's about the game. It's about the love for the game. And you and I are both very similar people that we're addicted to the game. We want to win. And so there's always going to be a new level. There's always going to be a, well, I have a house. He has a mansion. I want the mansion. Yep. I have the mansion. He has the yacht. I want, I want the, the yacht. yacht yep. But all those are just trophies along this you know, game. And so I try and stay grounded in that. I try and bring myself back to reality a little bit. But at the end of the day, I'm a gamer. I'm a lifer. I love it, man. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone can look back at moments in their life and kind of dissect how that's framed their view of money and other things. When you were growing up, man, because I have for me, you know, my, my parents, we were we were middle class for sure, but we, the way money was conceptualized to me was a lot of the time is we don't have the money for that or we're not like that family. You know, we were well off, we traveled, we did stuff, but uh, we can't do that. You can't do this thing because of money. Was, was, was that how money was conceptualized to you? If it was a limiting factor? Because I find a lot of people that are highly driven internally like yourself, money was a constraint for so long in their life that most of what it's about is the fear of never having to go back to that place again. Yeah. Is that what drives you from your childhood or is it more, uh, is there something else now that you've pivoted to that keeps you going? Uh, there's, two, there's, two, there's two points there. I operate, I operate out of fear. Um, and I used to operate out of anger a lot. Yep. Like I'd have bad things go wrong in business yep. and I would just, I didn't even care how much money I made. I just wanted to bury, you know, yeah. bury my competition or bury the old partner or whatever. Yeah. But I do operate out of fear because I know what it's like to be living on couches. I know what it's like to have to steal food from my restaurant that I was working yeah. at. I know what it's like and it sucks. So I do, I, I've positioned myself now to where I've invested every, damn near every single dollar that I have outside of, you know, maybe a car or two or, you know, a couple other extracurriculars and trips, every dollar I have into real estate so that I have this guaranteed amount of passive income that's coming in every single month. And it, it creates safety for me. Yep. It's the way that I, I sleep better at night. I, I flow through life and my energy is on a completely different wavelength because I know that there's a point of security that, okay, if shit hits the fan, if XYZ happens, if my, my mom gets cancer, if my brother gets whatever it happens, I help pay through college for you know the, the rest of my family. This is all because I have this nest egg of, of real estate that I can lean back on. So it's, it's, it's completely changed my life. But to, to, to go back to one of the uh, questions that you asked earlier, because you made a good point. In my household growing up, time equaled money, yeah. right? Like you traded time for money. So for me growing up, time, uh, you know, m- money equal time, time equals money. I, this is a funny story because the other day I got stuck at an airport in, um, in Houston and there was, I had to wait eight hours to get home and, or I could de- deboard the plane, pay an extra $400 and get home in the next hour. I, I do that. I pay, you know, I pay it. And so the, the cool thing that about my business and how I've structured everything is my family is fully involved in my business. I retired both of my parents and now they work for me. So my mom does my bookkeeping. So she sees this thing pop up on, on the Amex app and she's like, $450, 
You know how hard I yeah, have to work yeah, for, yeah. for, you know, you know how many hours I have to work for $450? You already had a $400 airplane ticket, blah, blah, I go, mom, look, what's the point of having any of this money? And what's the point of any of this if I can't buy back my time? Because time is now my most important asset, yeah. right? That's money, man. Yeah, it's a, that must be uh, interesting too with, uh, with the mom as a bookkeeper. Stuff pops up like, what is this? Yeah, yeah, what's Tootsie's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all, he spent it. He spent a thousand dollars. It was a lot. A cabaret. What? Yeah, it was a lot. Is this a cabinet store? <laughs> I love that man. So going, in, I think that's kind of early. Like going into high school, man. What, what were you like in high school? Were you, uh, were you, were you playing sports? Or were you more kind of on your own? Were you? For for me in high school, I'll give you an example. Like I was an athlete, but I always felt like when I went to parties and went to, went out, and I felt like I wasn't progressing. And for me personally, if I don't feel like I'm progressing, I do not feel good psycho psychologically myself at all. If I go a day or two or three days without having some kind of moving the needle forward right. thing in my life, I feel terrible. And sports was my outlet for that, and now it's business. But I remember, no matter how fun it was, I'd go out in high school, go out in college, I always had that thing in my head brain, like this isn't, this isn't leading me anywhere. Yeah. But did you have that same thing, or did that kind of hit you later? Or what was your take in high school on did you feel a little different? Yeah. Um, so I, one thing that I've always been able to do like really well is live in the moment um, and be present. And so it doesn't like if if I spent two or three days or a week at the at the lake, you know, it it doesn't affect me. Like I'm not like I, I miss my business, but it's not yeah. stressing me out and making me trip. So I played I played um, you know the highest level of soccer that you can play in the United States. Traveled the whole world playing soccer. Um, played a, played academy level for. Um, uh, uh, earthquakes team in yep. Fresno. And so, yeah, so we traveled all over. And so I spent, two, I learned a lot about discipline, man. And I learned a lot on the road. So one thing that was really interesting was my dad, although he wasn't a business owner, I was driving to and from for practice three, four times a week. I'd be driving either anywhere between one to three hours away for practice there and one to three hours you know, home. And so along, along that way, my dad ended up running the soccer club. And so I would listen to him talk on the phone with, with people all the time. Like literally all the time. And so I've always been outgoing. I've always been social yeah. and I was really, really small. So I didn't have much going for me size-wise, but what I could do is I had the gift of gab. Yeah. I could shoot the shit. I could, you know, in, in bad situations, I, you know, I could hurt people with my words. And so, uh, you know. You're sales, you're sales, right? you're, you're you're a natural, natural you're salesman. Yeah. So, and I, and I learned a lot doing that, but no, I, I, I never felt like, I didn't feel like too, too different. I knew that I, did, I knew that I wasn't meant to live in s Central California my whole life. I wanted to live by the beach. I'm ha my energy's completely shifted living by the beach. But you know, in high school, yeah, I went through it. I was, um, I had a good group of friends. Absolutely loved and enjoyed high school. I got bullied a lot when I was, you know, er er those early years because I was, I was like literally five, four foot eleven, five foot, and maybe like ninety pounds. Yeah. So you know, it is what it is. There, but there's a funny. Um... I was watching there's a funny like all these studies that have come out on like what's the right amount of resilience that you have to build to be an entrepreneur, right? There's like a spectrum and the guy that was he was on Joe Rogan's show and he was a CIA guy and he was talking about if you're if you have a childhood where you have to build resilience but not enough trauma where you're getting addicted to drugs and pornography and all that kind of stuff. Um, but just enough resilience. So you do have some childhood trauma, like you're talking about right now, where you where you're smaller, right? When you're smaller, naturally you have to yeah. find a way to, you know, all the all the all the just short rappers talk about standing on their wall. Yeah. Right? But when they're young, when you're younger, man, it's either sports. You learn how to talk. You learn how yeah. to use your words. And uh, so that's fascinating to me. I always ask these questions because I like to know, like like how that resilience was built, because you have to have it. Everyone gets punched in the gut all the time. No matter how much money you make, how successful you are, running companies, a lot of, more days than not, you get punched in the gut. Totally. You're getting, you run Airbnbs, you're getting a call about your property. Like I have a buddy that runs one, shit's getting thrown over the fence at right, his property. Right. Um, 
So I think it's great that you brought up how you built resilience, but I want to move into kind of one of the most important timelines in an entrepreneur's life that I think if they're born an entrepreneur, I believe entrepreneurs are born, not created. Right. 100%. You take a guy that's a little bit a little bit different from what society says. They, they think outside the box a little bit. You give them some resiliency in childhood. Um, but the biggest decision everyone makes between high school and college is what do you do? Do I go to college or not? Do you go to college? It was a huge decision for me. It wasn't for most kids. Everyone's like, oh, I go to college. That's what I do next. For me, I was like, what am I doing there? What am I getting out of it? How am I spending my time? What else can I do? And so that period for you, was it an easy decision to go to college? Was it something you thought about? Or is it just kind of your parents expected you of it? Or for you, was it like, okay, even if I don't use it, I just wanna go have fun for four years. What was the thought process there for you? Yeah, there was never a doubt in my mind um, that I was gonna go to college or not. My whole goal with playing soccer was to go play college gotcha. soccer. It was, it was instilled in my brain that you go to college, you get a college degree. You, you know, I, I, had, I wanted to get a master's degree. Yep. Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I cheated my way through high school, I cheated my way through college. I, I wasn't paying attention in class. Um, but it doesn't matter now with, with Chad GPT. It, it, it doesn't matter. Like, to me, to me, it doesn't really matter. I, th I, I recommend, you know, college to anybody because it, it truthfully, I, I met my best friends in my life. I met my, you know, at the time ex-girlfriend ex mm -hmm. and absolutely had an amazing time with her and, and all that stuff. But college was a very interesting period because you, you know, I was sheltered. I was really sheltered. And so I went to college to play soccer within the first two weeks I quit. Cause I was like, you know, screw it. I, I want to party. Um, my, you know, my roommates, I want to smoke pot. Like mm -hmm. I just, I was opened up to this whole new world where yep. in high school, I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was an athlete and I was like determined to go play. I was burnt out. I had started making new friends and I was like, this, this is what it's all about. Social party, this, that. Um, and then it came a time where, uh, I got really sick. So this was, this was like, I basically, once I started doing all the, you know, stupid shit that a lot of people do, and I, I'm not afraid to talk about it, because like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I just, uh, you hear this typical entrepreneur story, I would go to parties and I just didn't, I would just stay in while everybody would stay out. I'm like, no, I was going out, dude, yeah. like, I'm not gonna, yeah. you know, bullshit, there's pictures of me going out and stuff. That's, that's the, like, the, I, I mean, I think that's the, the, the take on the internet, because people want to seem like they have this insane work right. ethic, but most of the guys I know that have built big companies, man, they're like, like, yeah, fuck yeah, I had my fun. When no, I, yeah. yeah, you know, I'll, and I'll just keep it a buck, but then what, what really was a major catalyst to my life was my freshman, sophomore year, I was still un very underweight, undersized, almost prepubescent, and so something's going wrong. I'm getting migraines every single week, to debilitating migraines to the point where I have to have like a friend or a, somebody come like massage the temples of my head because I'm like sitting there crying and throwing up. It was that bad. Jeez. I was regurgitating food all the time. I was underweight. I was undersized. We're like, what the hell is going on? So I started going to all these doctors over the course. You know, I'd, I'd been going to some doctors, but I start ramping it up a little bit and I'm like getting these, these diagnoses that just don't sound right. And they're trying to get me on steroids for the rest of my life. They're trying to get me on, uh, oh, you have this and this and that. And just like, to I'm, I'm going back. I'm like, really? Like I, I'm going to, put the, be addicted to the, you know, like have to take these drugs for the rest of my life. There has to be a better way. Um, to a, to a, got to the point where I'm starting to get hospitalized. So through a, a very crazy story, my, my aunt has stage four breast cancer at right around the same time. Maybe, maybe, uh, uh, yeah, right around the same time. Mm -hmm. Stage four breast cancer, you know, we're, I'd eaten clean my whole life. I never really took too many like drugs or anything like the over the counter stuff that they would give you. But it got to a point where, uh, in the story where sh she goes to a doctor to go do chemotherapy and somebody in the doctor's office to total God thing goes, I don't think you should do this. I think you should go see this doctor. He's right down the street. He's a naturopath doctor. Go check him out. So she goes just like 
thinking what what you know it's got to be a sign from god yeah. and long story short she does this whole natural treatment she goes down to mexico juicing high doses of vitamins no chemotherapy no radiation and she's now been cancer free wow. for over 10 years incredible or, or, or over eight years or something like that so once we found out about that my mom was like hey blake let's just go to a naturopath doctor and let's see what happens within literally within like 20 30 minutes you know he's like dude this is what's wrong with you have you ever done a full blood panel test no, I've never heard of one. He's like, dude, you got multiple autoimmune diseases. The main one being, um, uh, um, they thought it was Crohn's for a while. You have celiac disease. You're allergic to all these different foods. Mm. This is where it's coming from. You have leaky gut. You have eosinophilic esophagitis. You have all these different things mm. that I never would have known that I had. So I'm at this stage in my life where I'm the sickest I've ever been. I'm, I'm, I've been partying a bunch. I'm just at a low. I'm depressed, bro. And then, you know, when this stuff starts to happen, he goes, I think you have a liver problem too, but we can't figure out what it is. All right, so liver, now I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna drink, I'm not gonna do anything. Let's go figure out this liver thing. So I go to the um, Cedar sinai in LA. They do a liver biopsy where they go in through your, I can't remember if they go through your back or th through your rib cage, painful. very painful, yeah. and they test the liver. And you know, I get a call <clears throat> and they say to come in and it, they just sounds, it just sounds eerie. And so I remember I'm sitting there with my mom and, you know, he basically says, I don't want you guys to freak out. We're going to come up with a plan of action. But this is the disease that you have. I don't want you to go home and Google it. I want, you know, your mom to, to kind of do the research. Um, don't, be, don't be afraid. But this, you know, this is a very serious disease. Okay. What, the first thing that I do, and I see my mom just like head down, you know, like taking her glasses off and she's weeping, man. And I'm just like, fuck. Like, what is good? I Google it when I get home. Essentially, I had you know they're telling me I had a life expectancy of ten years. What what was it? It was this very rare liver disease that they don't see very often. Um, um, I can't remember the acronym off the top of my head. At this point in my life, I pretty much start blurring things out. I, I know yeah. it sounds hard, it's like, weird, no, but it's traumatic. Yeah, yeah. Extremely traumatic. Yeah. I'd never experienced anything like this before, and so I went down into a deep, just very deep depression. I'm like, man, I'm gonna die. There's no way around this. Like, what? What, what is life anymore? I start questioning things. Mm -hmm. And this is when this major inflection, like turning point in my life comes about. One of my buddies tells me to get a job, uh, you know, it recommends, excuse, that's, this is what happened. One of my buddies recommend uh, that I go do this startup competition. It's my sophomore year of college. I'm like, dude, I don't wanna go. I don't wanna do any of this shit. I'm sitting in my room. I'm just, I, I'm depressed, man. Like, I don't wanna leave. And he signs me up for this thing. I just had this weird feeling to go and I went and ended up taking second place in this competition. It was like a startup weekend. They gave me a job there. And from that point forward, it became uber clear to me that my, whatever I was gonna do on earth moving forward, whether it was 10 years or not, I needed to get healthy and change my lifestyle. I needed to double down on business and get back into business because it was the only thing that lit my soul on fire. Yep. Like business, starting businesses, being a creator, being in rooms with people, shaking hands, like coming up with ideas, spitballing, freestyling. That is my fucking zone. Like that is what I was put on earth, you know, to do was to create and to build. And so I found this newfound passion through that would have never happened if I didn't have this, you know, this health, these health problems happen to me. So I look at it as a blessing. Thank God over the course of the next two to three years, I started getting way more healthy, started going to more and more liver doctors. They come out and they're like, hey, it's definitely not what you were diagnosed with. It's something and they still are kind of working on it, but it's not, it's not going to kill you. So it took this like moment of my life where a lot of people would look back on it and, it, and it, it is a real true inflection point. I could have kept going down a dark hole and doing drugs and alcohol and just, and hating my life. 
and I and I flipped everything. I know it's a lo long story, but no, no, you know no, that no, that no. was that was the culmination of like a couple years there. So then I didn't, you know, my parents didn't have a ton of money to. They did their best to support through college, but I started picking up odds and ends jobs um, to kind of pay for my my ventures that I was trying to yeah. start. So I tried to start a couple of clothing companies, a couple of uh, app startups. All of them failed. None of them successful. Um, but I was working at a. Um, uh, at a, I was doing used car sales. Yeah, so I was, so I picked up a bunch of different jobs. I did um, used car salesman. I did cold calling for a real estate agent, which was a crazy learning experience. Um, and then the, my last job before I started my, my big business was I, I was uh, serving takeout food at a bar barbecue restaurant, Wood Ranch Barbecue and Grill. It's amazing barbecue. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, I did that and then I ended up uh, paying my way through my master's degree, got my... Used. Got my MB so I got my degree in international business and my master's in enterprise innovation and entrepreneurship and I did that all in five years and after that I was a month basically a month after I graduated my from my MBA because uh, that happened during COVID um, I had my first like multi million dollar business. Jeez, man, that's a that's a lot to unpack there. I had I had a very similar story where I was uh, I was twenty one. I was about three years into running my business, we had a big office, a big team, and we were just flipping houses and stuff in Washington. And I was driving home from my parents' cabin one day, which is up in the woods. I love it, it's like a resort kind of place. And uh, had my first, I didn't know, I thought I was dying, it was a panic attack. And I went to the hospital, and that began a, a three to four week descent into pretty much being paralyzed. I couldn't see, like, pretty much nothing. Like, my body shut down on me. So I literally, I had a, my body was burning internally, nonstop, pins and needles, almost lost my vision, couldn't drive, constant ringing in my ears, constant headaches. Um, I thought for all means I was dying. Couldn't yeah. go on, I couldn't work for longer than 30 minutes without like my body shutting down on me, just crazy stuff. No doctors could figure it out. Went from one doctor to the next, spinal taps, oh. brain MRIs, spinal MRIs, just a full invasive of my whole body. And, um, and nobody can get down to the bottom. Three years, no one can figure it out. And it kept getting worse and worse. And I moved down here. To, one of the reasons I moved to San Diego is actually is to hang out in the sun. My businesses were doing well. And hang out in the sun and kind of let my body recover. from. But I don't know what it was. So I wasn't recovering. And then finally about a year ago, actually a little over a year ago now, I go in. I finally meet this, this, this ER doctor. And he was like, Cole, like, I'm not supposed to really be telling people this, but... Um, you know, you have every single symptom of Lyme disease. Mm. And you're from Washington where there's not supposed to be Lyme disease, but you have every yeah. single symptom possible. And I was like, man, I'm in the woods a lot at my parents' cabin. And so I went and got tested and just off the charts. Everything, and there's a bunch of co-infections too, but off the charts. And so I started, I went on aggressive antibiotic therapy, which I don't like antibiotics. And that combined a lot of other stuff fine. And I, you know, I was able to get slowly back to 70, 80% pretty quickly. But I've been the, down the road of you think you're dying, knowing you your answers. And for the same thing for me, man, I'm, and I'm, um, and I, uh, I'm a believer. And I, there's at the beginning of the Bible, the first thing that happens is creation. And I found the same thing for me with my main motivation and purpose of life is to create stuff. It's not mm -hmm. about the money. It's not about anything else other than giving people jobs right. and creating things. And that's what lights me up. So I feel very similar to you on that, man. But I want to move into and keep going on the path of where this is leading us, which was to your first to your first venture, which was the wise guy, the stock trading, right? Correct. So how did we get into stocks? What was the venture into that? How did that span into what was, I think, one of the biggest Discord groups out there for any kind of consulting offer? And that led you also into um, the, the short form stuff and the content. Let's start with just the stocks. What got you into that? How did you get good at that? Kind of lead me down that path a little bit. Yeah, so again, like being a young entre entrepreneur, I my first time, I, I remember going to my mom to make a custodial account because Facebook was IPOing. And so we had this, this in eighth grade, it's funny, in eighth grade, I had this teacher named Mr. Elsenbrook who I don't even know what the class was. I think it was 
the most random class ever. He would teach all these random things, right? But one of the things was a stock market competition. And I fell in love with stocks. I, I would go home in eighth grade every day after school and watch um, and, and watch uh, MSNBC. I'd go watch Bloomberg. I'd go watch in, just anything I could. Kramer. Kramer <laughs> screaming. I'm like, oh my God, I gotta go buy this stock, right? I didn't know what I didn't know, but I, I totally fell in love with this, like being able to, I liked gambling. I was, I was always a gambler growing up. And so I, I liked the concept that it was this gambling, you know, you can win money, you can lose money. And, you know, I started there. So Throughout that time, I'd always been interested in the stock market and learning about the stock market. And then early on, got very, or very, very early, was into crypto, was using my computer to mine. Um, this is back in high school. And so I was in, I've been in the space and I, I was no expert by any means though, to be honest with you. I just had been interested and, and had actively been investing and, and trading, you know, like through college, I, tr you know, tried trading a little bit. I wasn't the best at it, but I was just very interested in it. So what happened was during COVID, um, I, I was getting to a point where I'm like, man, I need to, st I need to build something like we've been kicking it. And I, one of the, one of the things about COVID is, and I, I talk about this a lot and I get a lot of flack for this opinion, but I, I, I promise you it's true. If you weren't able to take advantage of that, that opportunity during COVID to make money, then I don't know how many more opportunities like that nope. that you're ever going to get. Because the way that I saw it actively the whole time, a lot of people were like afraid and the fear mongering and stay inside and a lot of it is like, everybody around me is afraid. And like, let's just stay in, let's watch Tiger King. Let's do this, let's do that. Cool, I'm all for going out to the park and throwing a Frisbee and having a beer and doing whatever. But we're looking at the greatest, I was telling people, I'm like, this is the greatest opportunity of your life. What do you mean, Rocha? What I mean is the world is standing still. Every single person out there, except for doctors, does not have to work. So the playing field is level. Like the playing field is right, right now is level and there's opportunities being created like you've never seen before. So I'm living, I'm, I'm living on a couch with like five or six friends and we're kind of rotating couch and then one buddy has a bed on the ground. And, and were you living on a couch because you weren't, didn't have a ton of money at this time? I had no you, money, bro. No money, okay. No money. And like I put all of it into my master's degree because I didn't want to have a bunch of loans out. Yeah. And so, and, and I liked it. I'm not saying it like I was homeless. Like I kind of was digging it. Yeah, my I mean, homie you, was you look back at that days and like, oh, dude, I my, wish I would have enjoyed those way more, right? My homie yeah. was living in his truck yeah. outside. Like it was just, it was dope. Yeah. And, and we were surfing all the time and just, it was just a different lifestyle. I'm not saying I was homeless. I, you know, I was still paying rent, but I yeah, it was, yeah. we, we chopped it up to where six homies are living in a two, two, three yeah. bedroom and that yeah. was it. So long story short, all these dudes come in one day. We just, I just got laid off my job serving takeout food and so did all of my buddies because we all worked at the same restaurant together. And they're like, dude, we're about to get a stimulus check, you know, $1,400. <laughs> you know, what should we invest it in? How do we get rich? It's stimmy. And I'm like, dude, I literally, I, my heart sunk to my feet. I've never, one time, I've never had a feeling like this ever before in my life where I was like, light bulb going nuts. I go straight to my room, I grab my whiteboard, I draw three circles and I, and I wrote, I wish I had a picture of this still, I wrote the perfect shit storm. And they're like, Rocha, come out. I'm like, no, 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 like, I gotta get this on paper before I forget. This is my Zuckerberg dude, moment. It was, it was my moment, dude. I mean, it, it, this, that, that day changed my life. I wrote, stimulus check, social media, lockdown, on the circles. And then in the middle, I was like, me, me. I, I, I like, I didn't know, I didn't have a personal TikTok. I didn't have a personal Instagram. All that I had was like a Snapchat. I didn't have a Twitter, but I'd always understood marketing. I understand marketing. Like if, if there's one, I honestly would put myself on the, uh, you know, 
light brag here. I think I'm as good at marketing as, as anybody in the world. I would put myself in the top three marketers in the world. I would say maybe like a Gary Vee, I could compete with them. I mean, you've created insane brand on low volume. On the sense of like, you're not the, the, the Pinedos putting out four things a day. Like right. you, you put out crafted, purposeful, Stuff that everything that I've done, everything that I've done is intentional, yeah. and and I'm just saying this because it's I started to build a brand around this. So here's here's what started to happen. A buddy of mine calls me. <clears throat> I don't know how long I should make this story, but this is a fucked up story. Oh, we got time. You're good. Okay, so a buddy of mine calls me um, after I kind of been talking to him, like, dude, you know, what do we do with this stock stuff? Because I'm, I know about it. You know about stocks. There's a lot of people that are interested in stocks. Stimulus checks are coming out. Like, what? How do we build something around this? And he goes, I have an idea. Let's build a Discord. I've been building businesses with my buddy since the Xbox Live days, right? This is my best friend since we were playing Modern Warfare 2, uh -huh. Quick Scope and Fools on Afghan. And so then he's like, dude, let's do a Discord. I'm like, the gaming app Discord? He's like, yeah, man, you can build a community on there and we'll just try and get people in. We'll charge $20 a month and whatever. We'll figure it out. So, dude, we spent that whole week building out this Discord. Nobody else had really been doing this. There was a couple of Discords out there, but um, nobody was doing it to this like massive level yet. And so the catalyst ends up being social media. But, but what happened was, um, you know, how I got the name Mr. Four to Eight, people are always like, dude, where'd you get Mr. Four to Eight from? I saw this guy on, a, on this stock forum because we would have to go do guerrilla marketing mm -hmm. and one by one tell people, hey, come join our community. We had no social presence. So this guy on there is like, nah, man, like uh, I'm staring at the screens all day long, like from market open to market close. I'm Mr. Four to Eight. Or like a Mr. 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's genius. I'm Mr. 4 to 8. Like, <laughs> I'm going to take it from you. Oh. Um, so I took the name. It stuck. I put this picture of Tony Soprano up because I didn't want people. My initial thought so, was, you know, yeah. for two years, I built millions of followers and built multi-million dollar companies, two of them, without anybody knowing who I was. Yeah. Under this online moniker, Mr. 4 to 8. How does that work? Eventually, people start to put you on this, like, Batman type of role. They kind of have this idea of who you are in their head and it works. There's some mystif mystifying aspects to that. So long story short, um, another buddy of ours was, and one of our Egyptian friends is like, dude, I've been on Egyptian TikTok all day. Like I'm going viral doing Egyptian comedy. I'm like, <laughs> like what the hell is Egyptian comedy? <laughs> number one. And number two, like, let me try TikTok. I make one video, wake up to 700,000 views. Sheesh. 700,000 views. And it was literally me reading a Yahoo article called Best Penny Stocks to Buy. And from that point forward, I was like, this game is mine. I'm going to fucking dominate because nobody else, I was the first person on TikTok, you know, check the receipts, check the stamps, the first person to blow up talking about stocks and investing. And I blew it up. I, I, I created two or three videos that were like, welcome to stock TikTok. Some of my most, most viral videos ever. People that were there that time, like they will remember those videos. So it was like, you know, I'm getting these all of a sudden, um, I was understanding, okay, here's how we drive traffic. Like, how do we build a business, a true business around this? We were maybe making like four or $5,000 a month. I'm like, how do we get to $30,000 a month? How do we get to $100,000 a month um, doing this business? And, and so what happened with the online discord is I was sharing my, th my thoughts and ideas and, you know, but I was also connected. I would also go hire people that were great, you know, better traders than me to be in the community sharing their ideas. Yep. Hey, I like this. Hey, I like that. Yep. And all I had to do, go do now is go, I, I had the, the, idea. I just need to go find the market fit. The and so, yeah, exactly. And so what I started doing was just structuring my videos in this way. I still structure my videos this, this way today. People can steal it if they want. But what I did was I had a really strong hook in the beginning. Nobody else was doing crazy hooks like this. I was, I had a really strong hook. Like we just had the greatest day in stock market history. 
okay, now you got to stay. Like, yeah. what do you mean you have the greatest day in stock market yeah. history? Then I would go into, you know, hey, I was looking at this stock. I sent it out to my community. It went absolutely nuclear. Story, right? And story. Yeah. Then I, then you followed up with testimonial of a student saying that they made X amount of dollars today, followed up with a call to action. Hey, if you're ready to learn how to um, build wealth in, in trading stocks, hit the link in my bio and let's get rich together. Mm. I did this. People can't even build 400,000 person email lists in a lifetime, I had a 400,000 person email list and 150,000 person uh, Discord within you know just a couple of months. But so with this original business, it was called um, Stock VIP. It was with my partner. It got to a point where we were butting heads. I had a long-term vision, he had a short-term vision. I was doing the social media, he wasn't doing any of it. And he calls me one day and he's like, hey man, this needs to be 60-40 because remember I gave you the idea of a Discord? I'm like, are you kidding me, man? And so I spent a lot of like sleepless nights worrying about this business and growing this business, putting all, I'm spending 18 to 20 hours a day. I literally, my girlfriend was not talking to me. My parents don't talk to me. Just, I was living at my parents' house doing this, right? So I had to move it back in with my parents during COVID. And we end up, you know, butting heads over and over. Long story short, he wants to bring in another partner for no reason, giving up equity. I'm, dude, I'm sitting and I'm crying, dude, at night because I'm, we were best friends. And now all of a sudden this business is making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. And we're just like, we're butting heads. And so I wake up to a letter from a lawyer one day, man, that's basically like, Hey, you don't own this business. It was, op- it's now a single member LLC. We were, cause we didn't have an LLC figured out oh. yet. The single member LLC, you are only going to be getting $15,000 per month, which I know it sounds like a lot, but it's not when you're making, originally think you're going to make $300,000 a month. Yeah. Um, and you pour your heart and, and soul. And I poured my heart and soul into it. Yeah. And I built it. It's all the audiences from me. It's, it's my audience. It's, essentially, it is my business. And is that still running to this day? It's still running this day. It went on and did like $15 million. Oh. And I had to step away. So I had two options at this point in my life. I hadn't even made that much money from it yet because we were only a couple months in. You know, we went from overnight is an overnight success. Yeah. So I had two options. Do I go sue my best friend or, and, and, you know, go sue my best friend or do I start something new? And that's when I started wise guy. I started wise guy. And for about a year and a half, dude, I, I literally was just operating that business out of hatred for my old partner mm-hmm. and, and it blew up. It was another success. It was another, uh, eight, eight went on and, uh, did eight figures or no, it, it did close to eight figures and it's, it still operates to this day. Just in the um, background. It was, it was a, an amazing business for me and it's, it's, it still is great, but I, I was trading my time for money. And so this is how I got into, you know, we could talk about real estate, but I was, it wasn't my passion anymore because I was spending, I was just doing no, nothing different than when I had to go clock into my shift at work. I had to wake up at 4am to trade. Then I had to make content all day. Then I had to go, you know, uh, make, try and maybe fit the gym in, then come back and do more content, go to sleep and I'm dead. My relationships are being ruined. All this shit's being ruined for what? to make up, to make, to make money for what? So it, my goal was always to get into real estate. I'd always been interested in real estate. And so I just began investing in real estate. And that's when my life truthfully, dramatically ch- changed even more from that because I bought my time back and that's kind of, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good segue into, um, into a couple of topics. I mean, the first one I think is that I talk about a lot is like quick money versus like building wealth, right? Cause groups like this, online stuff, a lot of it's quick money, right? It comes and goes. It comes and goes. Uh, and it, like everything in business, it comes in waves, right? So you have months where you crush it, months where you don't. But you segued into real estate perfectly. Why, why did you choose Airbnb out of all the different ways to get into real estate? What was that What was that intro for you like? Did you just go buy a house in Airbnb? I know you're doing the arbitrage stuff, so you do the arbitrage. I think people are gonna be interested about where you were at the moment you bought your first 
arbitrage, whatever you, you want to call it, and and if, as deep as you want to go. I mean, I know it's helpful for me, like talking about, you know, did you have three hundred grand in your bank already when you went and did your first right. Airbnb, or did you have five grand? Like, where where were you at in life where you made that decision? And uh, even going to the psychology of where you you're not you know you weren't super confident, right? You're t you're taking a leap into a new industry. So talk about all that stuff. Um, and I like to ask the question as in like if you if I was in that position you were when you were starting, you're giving yourself advice. What does that look like? Right. <clears throat> My story is a little unorthodox because I'd been successful in business, you know, um, and so I, I did have money coming into it and I didn't start an Airbnb. I started in Section 8 real estate investing. So gotcha. I was buying uh, Section 8 properties. My first um, properties that I bought were in North Carolina. I still have them to this day. And yeah, I started in single family and uh, had a couple duplex, started buying single families duplexes. And yeah, so I, st I started with just single family investment properties. I was like, let's do long-term rentals. It was section eight. Section eight, because I, I did, the re did my research and I was, I was very confident that in terms of long-term uh, investment properties that I was going to make the biggest bang. You know, I wanted the biggest cash on the flow. Section, I yeah. wanted the best. Potentials on paper, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. <laughs> so I wanted the most cash flow because at, yeah. at this point in my life now, I looked at it like this. I've made a, I've made a grip of money. Think, think of like my situation, and this is what I tell a lot of people that have found a little bit of early success. I can relate to people that have not found success, and I can, and I help people all the time that are just getting started. But you know. I was in this very unique position. I can't bullshit and be like, yeah, I just got out of the mud and I went and used other people's money. To... No, I was fucking, I was a multimillionaire. Like literally I had multi, you know, millions of dollars um, that I was ready to invest, but it's still scary and it's a new industry and I was not an expert and I had no intentions of ever going on and coaching and talking about real estate stuff. I wanted to become, I wanted to buy some cash flow. So I go buy these properties. They're making zero, they're making no money. Real quick, on, on the, let's go even more specific. So you started Section 8. How are you funding these Section 8 deals? Are you buying them cash or are you getting loans on them? What? No, getting loans. I was putting, tw uh, at the time, uh, interest rates were like three and a half, four percent I was having to pay five and a half percent because I didn't have two years of tax returns to even show that I could. Yeah. So I had to go find creative financing. Through, you're using like a commercial portfolio lender? Yeah, or using commercial portfolio lender, um, jumbo fixed rate, you know, the, uh, 30 year loans. Um, so whatever you could be your hands on literally yeah. anything because you know, I just, and so I, I was getting five point, you know, five yourself employed. They don't care how much money you make. Whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I was basically getting, to be honest with you, I was just showing them my bank statements yeah. and being like, Hey, I just, bank statement, rental loans. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, showing them my, like, showing yeah, my social yeah. media. Yeah. Like, Hey, look, I'm really doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, this is no bullshit. You know, please just fund me. So I'm having to pay. I used to trip. I'm like, man, everyone's getting three and a half percent. I got to pay five and a half percent. Shit. Now I'll take, I'll give me five and a half percent. bro. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll take that shit back. But, um, so that's how I was funding these deals. And I was working with a couple of different lenders. Uh, some of the bigger pockets guys too were able to help me out. So yeah, that's kind of how that happened. But the problem was I'm like, make, I sh on this port, by the time I had scaled this portfolio, you know, got this portfolio to a good size, every single month, it was a radiator. It was, um, you know, tenants fuck burning houses down. It was meth labs. It was this, it was, dude, it's a nightmare. And so luckily, I mean, I had a property manager, so I, and I trained him, you know, and I had mentors. The, the big thing to, to hear is that I, you know, this is probably the best piece of advice that I can give, and, I, and I've never given this out, but t truth be told, I would not be in this position I am today without this strategy that I used. What I did was I learned a high income skill, which was I knew how to do social media and I knew how to build out these online subscription businesses. So I went to the biggest and best real estate experts online that I could find, and I said, hey, I will build you out a subscription-based community that will make you millions of dollars, and I will show you how to start marketing yourself way better. 
all that I ask in return, and let me do this for you for free. All that I ask in return is that you teach me the real estate game. Mm. So that's what I did, and it was, and it was, and it worked. They had this business that went on and did multiple seven figures. I now knew how to, and I had all the connections in any state that I wanted in how to invest in that's every right. part of real estate. So I did single family, I did section eight, I did this, I did that, and then one day I kind of was like, Man, how can I like? I need way more cash flow. If I'm how can I start doing with meth addicts? Yeah, if I yeah. how do I deal with like yeah, like party addicts, right? Basically, like let's let's go do this Airbnb thing. And so I started by just buying my first Airbnb in Florida. So I don't own or I don't do business in you know I, I stay in California, but I don't do any business. I have no operations here. Everything I do is North Carolina, Florida, and Tennessee. Um, and so I started in Florida with these properties and uh, my first property and dude, it was making more money than a $3 million section eight portfolio. One house was cash flowing more per month than a $3 million section eight portfolio that was cash flowing maybe $6,000. And this was, this was 2021? This is 2021. Okay. So like prime COVID. Prime COVID. And so, and so I was like, you know what? I started learning the game more. And the, the biggest thing for me was I was still cash flowing heavy for my other businesses. And this is like, into the, into the weeds, but you know, a lot of people need to understand, yes, the arbitrage thing is great. And I ended up doing arbitrage almost to kind of just do like case studies because I didn't need to go do arbitrage at all. So I you started by owning that. I started by owning. And, and then you did, did arbitrage after. Arbitrage so that I could teach my family and friends originally how just to get like, into it easier. how to get into air. Cause they're like, Hey man, we only have $15,000. Yeah. I'm like, look, this arbitrage game is very simple. Let me like break it down for you. I'm going to show you how to do it. And then I started talking about it online and it went nuts. Like nobody cared about, they, 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 they pushed me into Airbnb, um, teaching about it because at the time I had already had a couple of Airbnbs and I was doing the arbitrage thing just for friends and family. And they were the ones that pushed me online. They're like, dude, let's hear more about this. Fuck the stock market. All right, perfect. Because now it's a great segue for me to not have to be trading every single day. And I can really just start talking about this multi-million dollar, you know, this Airbnb portfolio I've been building. So that's what I did. And and I fell in love with it, man. I fell in love with the whole business side of things. Uh, I fell in love with the fact that I could this build a true family business. Like I retired my parents and now they both work for the business. My mom does the bookkeeping and management with the, all the houses. My dad goes out and does any project management that we have to do. And so I basically am like 15 minutes a week managing my Airbnb business. And that's only just phone calls with my parents or, or just go kicking it over dinner. And it's amazing. I pay, I'm paying them double what they were making at their old job. Everybody's happy. It's a very seamless um, game. But what, what people need to understand about real estate investing is at, at any point, whether you have, whether you're working a W2, whether you're, you know, have a great nine to five, whether you're a multimillionaire, taxes bite you in the ass, right? <laughs> yeah. So like my whole life, my, 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 and you can jump in whatever you want. No, no, keep going. That's, it's, it's meant for you to talk. So you're good. So it's, it's all of a sudden when somebody tells you, the government tells you, Hey, you know, that $5 million you made, we want two and a half million of it. I didn't care about taxes before when I was my, had my mom doing TurboTax and my $32,000 every two years that I was making, right? Like I literally was making no money, so it didn't even matter. Um, I was on, true, literally I was on EBT in college. Like, you know, that's, it just was what it was, right? So I didn't have to care about taxes. Now all of a sudden they're trying to take my money. And so I start, you know, doing the same thing again, you know, sharing my skills and my knowledge with tax experts so that they could give me the best advice. And I knew that I needed to become a, a full-time real estate investor in the eyes of the IRS in order to take advantage of, you know, and maximize my tax mitigation. And, and so I started doing tax planning, estate planning, trusts. And what I learned was buying real estate, more specifically buying Airbnbs, 
was one of the, the absolute best tax play in the world is buying short-term rentals. And there's a couple reasons. Number one, when you purchase the property, think of it like you're putting your 20% down into it or your 10% down into it or whatever you need to put down into it as a piggy bank. It's still your money. It's just tied up in the house. Now the house, you know, ideally will appreciate over the next five to 10 years. So you're going to pick up that appreciation. Um, and then you have these, these guests that are paying down your mortgage every single month and you're getting cash flow on top of it. So literally you have this, this asset that's producing cash flow every single month and not in a little way, in a big way, in a multi-thousand to multi-10, 15, 20, $30,000 on some luxury properties. It, that's, that's how big it can be. But on top of that, you're doing what's called a cost segregation analysis where you are essentially forcing depreciation on these properties. You know about it probably a lot more than I do, but you're forcing depreciation on these properties and back- Accelerating. Yeah, yeah. Accelerating depreciation. And on the back of the napkin, what, is, what, I've, what I've seen it work out to be is you're able to deduct about 20% of the purchase price when it's all said and done from your taxable income. So that, that's what it's turned out to be on a lot of my properties, about like 20% that Depends on how much you have to do to that. And you're buying homes a lot of the time that are ready to be- Yeah, yeah, if, 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 if they're turnkey, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for me, it's just been this amazing tool of mitigating my taxes, getting my tax bill down, and building equity, appreciation, and cash flow. Yeah. So. What's up, guys? Thanks for hanging out for the last 30, 45 minutes, however long it was with Blake and I. I'm pumped to bring you guys a show. We went deep into all kinds of different stuff. And this is a different format we're gonna do. Probably gonna do one or two of these a month on the boat here with amazing guests that have a lot to bring that I verify and make sure it's the real deal. So as, as always, wherever you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you like to listen, whether you're on a treadmill, in the car, um, please give me a like or a subscribe, a share on your story a dm uh, means the world you guys i do listen to your feedback and make sure we're curating this to what you guys need to hear so as always like i always say you're only one deal away